Hello everyone, my name is Adi Lithlobo and welcome to the second episode of An Artist Prepares. Today I sit down and have a conversation with Jen Katzer, who I actually met during the college audition process at Unifieds in New York City. We talk about Unifieds and also the daily schedule in her schooling as a musical theater performer. We talk about parental relationships in both the US and Norway. We talk about alcohol age and Andrew Lloyd Webber and cats. <laughs> if you haven't subscribed already, please hit the subscribe or follow button on iTunes or Spotify or follow me at Audi Lithlobo to be notified of new episodes each Friday. Let's get to the interview. How are you doing, Jen? How are you feeling right now? I am just so happy to be done with school, honestly. <laughs> That's I, amazing. Yeah, I can't believe that the year is over. It's it's been a wild, it's been a wild year. Um, yeah. And I talked about it in my, one of my classes yesterday. Like it has been probably the weirdest and hardest 400 about days of my life. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 I really believe that. Um, tell, tell everyone who's listening what you're doing, where you're going to school and who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm Jen. I go to the New York Conservatory of Dramatic Arts in New York City and I am studying musical theater. It is a two year conservatory program, uh, which is a whole thing. Um, <laughs> sort of <laughs> the whole thing. It's a whole thing. Uh, oh, take yeah. a BFA program, scrap the academics, and shove it into four semesters, and then there you go. Yeah. Um, if you go to SCAD and you're a BFA at SCAD, it's like a million times harder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> SCAD's like the the easy, you know, <laughs> compared to that. That's like hardcore. I don't know how you do what you do. I, I don't know how you do it. But... I don't either. <laughs> you just do it. You just do it. I think when you're doing it, you're not thinking about how hard it is. You're just sort of doing it. Yeah. And then you look back on it and you're like, oh, goodness. How how did I survive? Um, <laughs> yeah. I felt that. So so pre-pandemic, how was, like, your schedule from, like, <laughs> morning <laughs> to night? Like, w- what did you do? Tell us. A day, a day in the life. A day in the life? A day in the life. Yes. Okay, so life. I would wake up at about... 5.30-ish, 5.36, um, so that I could get to the gym and do physical therapy beforehand, because for those of you that don't know, I have a connective tissue disorder that involves a lot of work. Um, <laughs> a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Being chronically ill is a lot life. of work, <laughs> to say, yeah, to say the least. Um, <laughs> so getting that sort of checked off um, and out of the way, and also having a slow morning, um, I... Yeah, sometimes my autonomic nervous system just really doesn't want to work in the morning. So having yeah. a large buffer before I actually have to, like, get up and panic for school is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm get home from the gym, have, like, a nice chill breakfast, you know, have a morning, do any of the homework I did not get done. Because let's be honest, someone is going to text in the group chat at 3 in the morning when I am happy and sound asleep about an assignment that I completely forgot about. So yep. knock that out in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or I'll go downstairs to like our vocal studios and stuff and do a bit of work on any rep I'm working on. Uh, then Mm. it's about time to like actually get ready for school. Um, most of, most days my classes start at 9am. So I usually hop on the subway by like 8, 8.15. Um, it's a short subway ride, but 
if anyone lives in New York City, you know that subways are not the most reliable thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah. I would rather be early and not stressed than be on a subway that True. stops, that just stops, and be late. Um, I remember for Unifieds when I was in New York, I would get to the auditions like 90 minutes early or whatever oh, because yeah. I didn't trust. I was there at like, 7 30 like walking in for my 9 a.m audition you know oh my goodness yeah i felt that um <laughs> yeah unifieds are a whole thing um yeah <laughs> a whole ride yep <laughs> yeah so that's then i get to school um yeah depending on the day I either start with a dance class or a vocal performance class that's that's how my schedule's been the last two semesters um so i mean you guys kind of know how that goes and then I usually go into the afternoon and have um, either acting or a vocal-based music class. Mm. Yeah. Um, we have two separate acting classes. We have two separate vocal performance classes and voice lessons. Um, three styles of dance, music theory, and in with wow. one of our vocal performance classes is musical theater history. So we knock on okay. a lot. We get a lot done. Um, yeah, the, the schedule doesn't sound as chaotic as it is, um, cause I, you really don't have that many actual classes because you mm. meet in so many of your classes for a long period of time and multiple times yeah. a week. So uh, given that it's such a heavy workload for you and that there's so many different classes and different disciplines that you need to perform at every single day. How do you keep yourself sane? <laughs> um, yeah, so on an average week, I spend 37 hours a week in class. Um, 37? <laughs> yeah, we did the math. Um, wow. And I'd say I spend probably an additional 10 a week doing work on campus. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then probably 5 or 10 in addition to that uh, doing work at home. So that fills up your schedule very quickly. That's um, almost like 60 hours a week. Yes. Yeah. I probably I probably quite easily devote 60 hours a week to wow. school and schoolwork and things for the business. So, yeah, it but. is a lot. Um, I The gym is part of how I keep myself sane. Uh, it's also nice because you're yeah. not alone in going through it. My program, as many conservatories do as well, you're with a section, so you have... The program could be 100 kids for musical theater, but mm. every day all of your classes are with the same 15 to 20. Yeah. So everyone is going through the exact same thing at the exact same time. So then you yep. just, we all sort of <laughs> cry together. Uh, oh, our teachers that. joke that they know, they know when things are stressful because we all walk in looking like we've cried. It's not just one of us, it's all of us. <laughs> Um, have like a crying circle before class we regularly do yeah um we also will just like have breakdowns in class a teacher will say something and all of us will start crying yeah it gets a little culty but you know (laughs) a little culty it's a little culty but it's what we do for the art you know (laughs) welcome to theater school i don't know of a theater school that isn't a little bit culty sometimes you know yeah yeah (laughs) Super, super culty. Oh my god. Super culty no all the time, constantly. Yeah. We um, share a building at SCAD. We share our building with like production designers. 
and they will just hear they will just be in the computer lab and in their class and they will suddenly hear like a bunch of people like stomping and like screaming from like the floor right above them yes they're gonna be like what's going on yeah like what are these kids doing (laughs) (laughs) my school is shared with a film program from the same school Uh, and the film kids are not nearly as culty as us um, and yeah. the musical theater program is relatively new. Uh, the film program's been around a lot longer. So the film kids, you know, they have their way of doing things. And the musical theater program is still shifting and altering to the needs of the students. So there's this sort of shared mentality of we're all figuring it out together and all of us are winging it <laughs> in the musical theater program where the film kids are like, we're perfect. Look at us. We're, we're dramatic perfect. actors. And we're all like... <laughs> Hey, musical theater, yo! (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of that. You heard about Sondheim? Yeah. Do you know about our Lord and Savior, Stephen Sondheim? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, speaking of um, musical theater um, composers and whatever, I haven't seen it yet, but Andrew Lloyd Webber was going to live comment through um, Cats. Yeah, I it's on YouTube this weekend when we're recording it. it. I saw like a link of it somewhere. I saved it, but I haven't seen it yet. But honestly, I'm so excited because this is the thing. I already like cats. I think it's um <laughs> you're just looking at me. I think it's a really cool musical. It's one of the first musicals that I actually got exposed to, so that's probably why. Yeah. Um, but I'm really excited to hear him actually talk about it while watching it because it just makes it even better. Oh, Cats is, I have so many, like, weird and specific memories associated with Cats. It's kind of a trip. Did you go see it in uh, theaters I, when it was out? The movie? Yeah, the, Absolutely new, the new one. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you never know. Well, okay, A, in the middle of midterms, um, <laughs> yeah. was not about to do that. B, movie tickets in New York City are expensive expensive yeah i know and see i would rather watch little women for the 15th time than see the film version of cats i actually haven't seen the new little woman movie oh, yeah i because, saw it three um, separate times in movie theaters with three is it separate groups of people i don't know I hope I really want to see it. I I was so busy when Little Women came out because I was working and then school was about to start, and then I didn't go see Cats either. So okay, <laughs> don't worry okay. about that. So Jen, how's your transition to since you're uh, you finished your online classes? Uh, let's yes. talk about how it went because we all have very different experiences with our um, online classes. So please talk how it is to take musical theater classes online. It was not as terrible as I thought it was going to be. Okay. But the challenges that it presented were also not what I was expecting. Uh, and there were some benefits. I got very skilled at self-taping. I got more comfortable watching myself perform, which is not really something that you ever have yeah. to get comfortable with as a musical theater performer. Mm-hmm. But it's also something that's very helpful, and I'm glad that we got to do that. Um, but we had some, we had some special challenges. One of my acting teachers actually was in an accident in New York City and was not able to finish out the semester with us. So we got a new teacher, uh, the week before finals. 
So, like, that was a challenge That's that I wasn't expecting, but happened. And while I wish I had finished the semester with my original teacher, we made it work. And I, I learned things from her that I would not have otherwise learned. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think that although not necessarily how I would have chosen to spend the second part of the semester nor would I choose to do it again. Um, <laughs> there, there have been some some good learning experiences because of it that I didn't know I needed, but I'm so glad that yeah. I have. Yeah, I think one of the things um, one of our musical theater professors were talking about, I think this was on Thursday, um, but he was talking about how great it was to teach i wasn't in any musical theater classes but it was so great that they were forced to do self-tapes for musical theater because that's something that i don't think a lot of people do that in their training programs because you usually don't send in self-tapes for musical theater it's usually like live editions you know and open calls and eccs and epas and all that stuff so tapes are becoming such a big part of how we audition for things especially summer stock um, yeah. I was doing a ton so of self-tapes true. early in this semester and sort of, like, trying to figure out how to do them. Um, and also college pre-screens for oh. anyone that's auditioning for college. Yeah. <laughs> Audie and I have fond memories. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you didn't know, that's how Audie and I met. Uh, yes. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. The most beautiful place on earth. Pearl Studios. Hey! <laughs> we had fun. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think that it is a very helpful tool, and I know that that would not have been something that we did in our program. Yeah. The other nice thing is a lot of our acting teachers we share with the film program, so oh. they're very skilled self-tape and camera people. That's so it amazing. was so helpful to not only have the like musical director and all of those people on one side saying here's how musical theater works, but also having these incredible camera performers saying, okay, but like, here's how you actually look good on camera. Yeah. So we got, we got some good practical knowledge. That's good. And I think it's, I think it's a good knowledge to receive because usually um, when you're um, working on self tapes um, in college before this, it was self tapes for film. So it's a different kind of acting and a different kind of physicality um than doing a self-tape for musical theater and for theater so i think actually realizing how you can use the self-tape format to do a successful audition in theater yeah without making it too small or too big or like too out of focus or whatever it is you know it's a skill that we need to know because open calls they're they're gonna take a break for a while i think yeah i think this might be the end of I think this is probably the end of EPAs as yeah. open calls and mm-hmm. because like they do exist. Um, they're not as common as they used to be, but they do exist. Uh, but this is probably the end of them because if they can just have people from all over the world submitting their materials and then only call in the people they actually have an interest in, that's so much better. We were talking yeah. in one of my vocal technique and performance classes. My teacher is an accompanist for a lot of auditions and a musical director, absolutely amazing. 
and he was talking about how there's probably about 500 girls that walk into an audition for one role. Mm. Really only about 50 of them are actually right for it. Yeah. And from there, about 50% of them, so about 25 of them, actually bring in the right material for that role. So then you're really only, out of 500 people, really only competing with 25. Um, And it saves them so much time if they can hear you slate what you're singing, and if it's see your slate, hear you say what you're singing, and if they're not interested, they can just skip it. Yeah. And, like, people are already doing it for, like, colleges, as we said, and for summer stock. People are having those kind of pre-screen routines already. So I think it's, this is the move to get that into, um, uh, like, New York City and the theater industry in there, too. Because no matter what happens the after Broadway reopens again, they cannot shove a bunch of people into Pearl Studios. Like, yeah. it's not it's not going to happen. If you haven't been into Pearl Studios, think about the line before line drop at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good image. Oh, my God. I remember on Unifieds, I was, like, stepping over people in the hallway trying to get to the room, and I looked like a clown. Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is wild. It's kind of everyone's worst nightmare. No matter what your worst nightmare is, it can be found at Pearl Studios. What was the show? Um, this was a few months ago. The show where like they reached max capacity in Pearl. There were they had oh. open auditions, and then and then people who actually had scheduled auditions for another show couldn't get into their auditions because oh. there were so many people for that open call. So they shut down like literally Pearl. It was the what hairspray non union tour, I think. Yes, yes, I had that was friends- it. So the second years in my program are allowed to go out to audition. If they, like, have a viable audition or have an appointment, they just email it to the head of the program and she excuses their absence, which is amazing. Um, Mm. And, like, 25 of the second years went. And I think only (laughs) three of them got seen and most of them had appointments. Yeah, that's... That, so, that thing was crazy. So <laughs> I think this move to self-tapes is for the better for our industry. It's also going to save you know? so much time. For anyone that has not been to an open call, if you go to an open call, you are probably going to be getting up at 3 or 4 in the morning so that you can be in line by like 5, 36. Um, yeah. Theater people don't like doing that. One thing I've learned, early mornings are not a theater person's time of day. <laughs> also, imagine doing that if you did a show the night before. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not not the move. That's rough. Yeah. So, I think you're going to, A, have better performances, and also, it's going to make it easier to live outside of the boroughs of New York City and still have a career yeah. on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. It's it's going to make Broadway and that theater industry so much more accessible for people. Um, but it's also going to make the competition bigger, I think. It is. Um, there are going to be more people who can uh, send in self-tapes from all around the area, from all around the country, the world. even from the world. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be very easy to be a New York performer that submits for things uh, internationally, especially on the West End, um, but like also yeah. a lot of 
Like, there's the Phantom of the Opera that hangs out in South Korea and has for a long time. There's mm, a chorus right. line tour that goes through every so often. Um, so, you know, not having to leave your happy little house. So, talking about auditioning, um, as we said, me and Jen, we met during Unifieds. Um, was it the dance call? It Boco? was. It was the Emerson dance no, call. No, not the Boco. Emerson. It was Emerson. Emerson. I had yeah. Boco the day after. <laughs> I had, I remember had, um, you had Boko on the Monday. Yeah, you'd had Boko, I think, before, hadn't you? No. Oh. Boko was my last one. Boko was your last one? Oh. <laughs> and then we ran into each other again at Chicago Unifieds. I wasn't at Chicago Unifieds. You were not? Yes, you were. <laughs> no. Yes, you were. No. Yes, you were. I was not at Chicago then I Unifieds. Run into, I ran into at least another time at New York Unifieds, because that was not the only time we ran into each other. When? When did we run in, into each other? We had to have. We have... We've had... We had contact twice. Are you sure you did not go to Chicago Unifieds? <laughs> listen, listen. I lived in Norway. I don't know if you remember that. I'm pretty sure I would remember if I traveled to the U.S. twice in that I'm sorry, like, one month period. I had pneumonia period. for most of college auditions. It's all kind of a blur. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, maybe it was a fever yeah. dream I had. That's quite possible. Probably it was a fever dream. Probably it was a fever <laughs> That's dream. That's actually quite possible. <laughs> like, college audition process is such a weird, beautiful... Uh, <laughs> nightmare. thing. Nightmare. That's how I want to explain it. For it's all a beautiful of nightmare. Yeah, it's, a beautiful nightmare. It's genuinely going to be something that shapes who you are as a human being and performer and organized person. Yeah. You will figure out how to manage your entire life during college auditions, if you haven't already. And honestly, if you have, it's going to change during college auditions. I, like, was psycho-organized during Unifieds. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't remember most of Unifieds. Um, lots of, lots of NyQuil. I remember I did. I, did I tell you about this? That I went out with a guy during Unifieds. Yes, yes, you did. Yes, <laughs> that's what I did during that crazy weekend. I was like, you know what? College editions. This is the perfect time to go on a date with a guy who's also here for college editions. It's fine. We've all been there. I, I was just like losing my mind and cried a lot. But one of my best friends in the entire world. Um, she, I, I went to high school with her, love her. She goes to NYU yeah. now. We went to LA Unifieds together. Mm. That was the smartest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um. Going with someone? Yeah. Because, like, my mom is not a micromanaging mom, which I'm so grateful for because it made Unified so much easier. Yeah. I was able to just tell her, like, no, I will be here, and you can go do whatever you want in said city we are in, and I will meet you at this time at this place. Uh, and that just made it really easy for me and for her, because stress and parental relationships can be really hard. Especially Talk about that. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll probably understand this, too. Yeah. Especially if you have a parent you're similar to. Um, parents want what's best for you. 
and they want mm. what's best for you more than anything else. And so even, you know, they're trying to help you in any way they can, but you as a performer and as an adult, almost an adult or an almost adult human being have a way that you know how to prepare for auditions and yeah. probably for no other audition in your life have your parents been sitting next to you in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. Also, there are a lot of very catty theater moms. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. not pointing any fingers. But there are a lot of very catty theater moms. And I love my mother with my entire soul. Um, mm. But she wants nothing more to protect than to protect me. And so if there is a catty theater mom that is making my life more difficult, she's going to stand up for me. But that was like an yeah. additional stressor for me that I knew I, I would rather just walk away from the caddy theater mom and maybe not have the best spot on the bench or have to sit on the floor and maybe my dress would get wrinkled or whatever mm. because I would then go into the room a more grounded and centered person. Yeah. Also, it meant that when we reunited at the end of the day, I had processed all of the feelings I had had about schools by that point. And when we talked, I actually had sort of a list of who I liked the most on that mm. day, which was really helpful. And then she helped me organize my thoughts more. But it also removed her as an equation of whether or not she liked the school and it became whether or not I liked the school, yeah. which I think was really smart. And, and I think also yeah. also with parental relationships in general, this is something that I've um, noticed coming from Norway is that the... Um, the kind of like my not micromanaging aspect, but the close relationship between parent and child and how long that goes on for is much longer in the US than in Norway. Yeah. Um, and I see that even now when I'm in college that I see that like my my friends parents are much more involved in their lives at college mm -hmm. and what they're doing than like my parents and other people who's in my situation in Norway. No, They're not sure. like as involved. And I think that's so fascinating. I think that's so interesting. And I yeah. feel like often Europeans are a little bit more independent yeah. than Americans coming into college. Not only because we like moved from the other side of, of the, the world, world basically, yeah. um, but also because it's uh, much more like hey, um, you're an adult now, I trust you, go out in the world, you know? Yeah, I think, I think some of that is probably that you genuinely do become an adult at 18 in most of Europe. Yeah. Uh, there are yeah, that's true. You know? We don't have that 21. You don't have the 21. Old. And I'm not saying that that is a reason, but I think that it does contribute to parents continuing to think of us as sort of children. Um, mm. because there is still that like age restriction on us where, I don't know, that's, that's sort of my thought. I also think that our schooling in a lot of ways demands parents be more involved than yeah. my understandings of the European system. <laughs> I also just think it's like cultural. We hear so many horror stories about like kids getting like kidnapped and stuff like that, that our parents are like <laughs> traumatized. Um... <laughs> But I think, like, it is cultural that the American parent is just tr terrified all the time. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. I but think- I understand it because America is such a dangerous country. <laughs> it if really you think is. About it. Yeah. Um, it really like, is. And I'm. As far as like wealthy first world countries, it is a terrifying place. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And um, it's not. It's not that I'm saying that, like, my parents or European parents are better or worse than American ones. It's just so different. And I think that's, like, one of the things that I absolutely love about studying in the U.S. is that I really get to experience those differences on, like, every single day, all the time. I experience those differences, which which is so fascinating. You learn literally so much. Yeah, no, for so, sure. And I think, yeah, like, on for American parents, I think Unifieds is a really good time to, for us American children, sort of show that we can be functioning mm. adult humans that can manage our own lives. Yeah. And I think if you do choose to take Unifieds as a time to figure out how to run your own life, you will be more successful in college than the kids mm. that let their moms plan their auditions and all of that stuff. I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Maybe that is what works for you and your family. But from what I've seen, the kids that did exert independence end up being more successful in college. That's so interesting. Um, How is it in like uh, your school um, with, um, uh, how am I going to explain this question? How is it with, like, parental relationships in your school? Do they have, like, um, family weekends and stuff? No. And are people... No? Okay. No. Um, Good. <laughs> so, there is not really a college environment at my school. I'll okay. tell you that. It's not like we have Good. sports teams. It's not like we have Greek organizations or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. No homecoming, no parent weekend, none of that. Um, parents come, drop their kids off. They have a day of parent orientation and the president of the school basically says that unless your kid tells us, we can tell you something we're not going to. And frankly, your kid should tell you if they want to tell you. (laughs) So Um, professional. So right to the point. Exactly. Yeah. He basically says, you know, let your kid, let your kid do the thing. Um, and the president of my school is also a very big advocate for learning through failure. Yeah. You know, your kid can call you for help, but there's only so much you can do when you are not in New York mm. City. You can offer guidance, but sometimes it's better to uh, make them figure it out. Yeah. And also, you got to kind of let loose on your grip of um, your kid at some point. And Now's a great the best- time. And yeah, the best time to do it is in college because let them fuck things up in college. Exactly. They're, before they get into the real life. Exactly. Let, let them figure out of all of those things before they're done, you know? Well, let them figure it out when there are supportive faculty members. I know at my school, like the head of my, my musical theater department, people go into her office and cry at her for a variety of reasons. Mm. Um, we call her Mama Lisa. She's amazing. Um, like you literally go cry at her for anything if she sees you in the hallway she actually wants to know like how your life is going beyond school so you find those people and they help you and you form professional relationships with people and you form friendships with people and mentorships and things like that um you know when you need something you figure out who to ask beyond your parents obviously your parents are still there for you 
I call my mom a lot and definitely depend on her advice, but I don't, I know that I am capable of figuring it out with or without her, Mm. but I trust and value her opinion. So I want her opinion. I don't need it, but I want it. Yeah. And what's great in an environment such as kind of like a conservatory or a college is that I have a bunch of questions that I'm wondering about, but I can't ask my mom necessarily for guidance because she doesn't live in the world that I that I live in and they don't know the same things that I know. So basically, when you're in an environment like that, you have a bunch of people who are getting paid to be there and help you figure out your life for sure and you have use them to figure out your life (laughs) yeah and the other thing in a conservatory environment that's a bit different than a college environment is you have people coming from different ages um my class ranges from 24 to 17 um Mm. but like one of the years above me the year that just graduated um i think the oldest member of their class was 31 um yeah and the difference between a 17 year old and a 31 year old is massive yeah Yeah. massive as far as life Mm -hmm. experience um but the 31 year old can learn something from the 17 year old and the 17 year old can learn something from the 31 year old especially when they're all put on the same playing field as peers yeah. So, like, I look to you for guidance all the time. I text you and I'm like, Audie, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do it that often. Occasionally. You do it to me, too. Occasionally. Like, especially yeah. for both of us, like, during finals and midterms and when you mm. have to, like, pick classes for, like, I know for you, we talked, like, a week ago about what classes oh, you were going to yeah. take. And I was like, I'm in a midlife crisis. <laughs> I'm only 21. But, like... <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, but you find friends whose opinions you trust and you kind of just throw things and hope they stick sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what no, I, mean? I think it's so I, I think it's just so useful to have a good support network um, that that plays in the field that you're playing in, not necessarily is the same person as you. Like, like yeah. we've been talking to, like, you're super musical theater actress, hardcore. Hardcore. Um, <laughs> hardcore. You all heard a day in her life. That's hardcore. But I'm, like, <laughs> more like, I like devised stuff. I compose. I'm, like, blah, 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 like, doing all these other things. But we still live in the same world. We do. You know? And we have different perspectives on things. And I, I take a lot of inspiration from how free you are in your work and you're so much better than I am about doing something and not turning around and judging it or needing it to be perfect on your first try. Um, so I look to you a lot for that. And so I know sweet. you sometimes look to me for some of my psycho organization. <laughs> yeah, psycho organization and just, I mean, your, your determination also in general uh-huh. I okay this is the thing I I can work on a task and I can do it for a long time but then eventually I'm like you know what I I just I just need to finish this and go on to the next thing so like I'm, I'm just gonna get this out there and then I move on but you're like working on it or this is what it seems like that you're working on it until it's how you really really want to have it and i really look for that for inspiration there's pros and cons to that because (laughs) it stops me from putting a lot of work out that i'd like to 
Um, I'm getting better at it. For anyone that does not know, I do run a blog and I run a chronic illness yes. Instagram. Um, I'm sure Audie will will promote that for me because love yes. him. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, that that community has made me a bit more courageous in putting out the good and the bad. Um, mm. Getting sick has made me more courageous in that too. But yeah. like, I think I've posted a total of uh, one video of me singing on Instagram. I think a total of one um, mm. <laughs> because I don't want to put out something that is not perfect ever. So there are, and... <laughs> there are pros and cons to both because you can get so wrapped up in like the anxiety and need for perfection that yeah. that becomes a stalemate. You have to find a balance. And I think both of us are really striving for that balance. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to find it so hard. And that was this week's episode. If you're curious about how we can find that balance, or if you want to hear our opinions about famous people being in Broadway shows, or how Jen is such an amazing chronic illness advocate, please, please, please subscribe or follow us on iTunes or Spotify, whatever you're listening to. And follow me on Instagram for the latest updates at Audie Lithlebo. And you can also follow Jen on Instagram at Jen underscore Katzer. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you guys next week.